0: Thinking aloud Conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with psychologist Jeffrey Mishlove Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, we'll be exploring otherness, and more specifically, the problem of otherness. Otherness. My guest is Kate Montana. She is the author of The E-Word, Ego, Enlightenment, and Other Essentials, as well as Unearthing Venus, My Quest for the Woman Within. Once again, this is an internet interview, and now I'll switch over to the internet video. Welcome, Kate. It's a pleasure to be with you once again.
1: It's great to be back on the show, Jeffrey. Thank you.
0: We're going to be talking about otherness today, and, and specifically, I think, the problem of otherness. Uh, it's something we all take for granted. Uh, I think it's one of the basic distinctions uh, every child learns to make as soon as they develop an ego, uh, which is that there's there's me and then there's the rest of the world. Although I, I gather that Uh, Freudian psychology postulates that a little child, an infant, an infant does not make that distinction. An infant exists in a state of oceanic oneness, almost a mystical state.
1: Yeah, well, I think that's absolutely correct. That's where we start out from. And There's no information coming into our brain to tell us otherwise that I am all that is. And then immediately as soon as we're born probably while we're still in the womb we begin the sensory input through especially our eyes but ears and and skin boundary and all of this is telling us 24/7 Jeffrey that I am an individual that I'm separate that I'm boundaried. you know there's there's me and then there's you there's the the bush over here and so very early and preverbally um that we move from that oceanic understanding that we are all one and interconnected to this yeah you know, we are pounded twenty four seven with billions of, you know, input of data every second of our lives telling us, I'm over here, you're over there. And I write about this in my book, The E-Word, Ego, Enlightenment, and Other Essentials that came out in uh, 2017. This is the foundation. This sensory onslaught is the foundation for the the development of the ego sense of I, which is a separate being. And we learn quite early on that, that the things that are outside of us, that we perceive outside, the cat, the dog, the kitchen stove, you know, mommy spanking us, that, you know, outside stuff can hurt us and be damaging. So we develop this, you know, this boundaried ego that's all about me. It's all about self-protection. Um, and it's all about me and my life and my survival. And it's like, wow, try to get beyond that on the mystical journey of, you know, a Attaining enlightenment, which oh god, they don't get me started on attaining <laughs> enlightenment. That's another conversation. Impossible as it is, um, yeah, it's it's like we're constantly struggling with this boundaryed sense of self and other
0: certainly there are different traditions that suggest that this is an illusion i think in uh the uh, what's known as advaita vedanta uh or non dual philosophy uh that's the basic point everything is one the the only reality is unity everything else is an illusion or maya uh i've heard quantum physicists say as much but it's such a seductive illusion if it is an illusion uh that it, it's almost impossible to escape from it except for a, maybe a handful of mystics or saints uh, or very altruistic people.
1: Yeah, um, well, I'm I'm incredibly blessed. I I have been a, a hardcore meditator all of my life, and when I discovered the word enlightenment, I was like, that's what I want. Um, and I've had I've had the experience, and right there, I'm I'm already off base telling you a lie. I didn't have an experience. Um, there was no me for three days um, back in 2007, and that was really the 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 hardcore awakening. Was I'd spent 30 years. I want to become enlightened, and then when the personality dropped and the illusion of separation and the illusion of my boundaryed separate self occurred, then all I could do was laugh because it became immediately apparent that enlightenment was the absence of any sense of self whatsoever. So, there was no me becoming enlightened. <laughs> enlightenment was the absence of me altogether and that, and that illusory um, perception. But by God, you're so right, Jeffrey. It's, it's almost impossible to see past the lie that our that our body senses give us of separation. And it's it, it's it's a gift and I don't know, yeah, you know, it happens sometimes spontaneously for people because it's the bedrock truth that we really are not separate from one another. But getting there is another <laughs> Is <laughs> an interesting journey. <laughs>
0: well, and, and to make matters even more complicated, I know that there are ancient Sanskrit philosophies, uh Samkhya, for example, which is basically a dualistic philosophy that reinforces the idea of separation.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, the ego loves the idea of separation because that's its territory. That's that's its livelihood, if you will. Um, so, of course, it, it, and it's really fascinating to see how assiduous and intelligent the, the ego is when we create all these doctrines and, and religious precepts and philosophies and we go on and on. I mean, God bless Descartes. I think, therefore I am. It's just like... Really? I think, therefore, I'm totally screwed up and lost <laughs> is more like it. But you can't convince the ego of that because the thinking mind is the ego's domain. And the more it can set up boundaries and philosophies and ideas and concepts to get totally lost in in its, its own mind, wow, the more it perpetuates its existence. Tricky, tricky son of a gun.
0: You know, in, in the human world, uh, I think what this sense of otherness often leads to is a, a, a sense of a, di- let me see if I can, I'm trying to say two things at once here, so my thoughts are getting jumbled. It can lead to a, a, a value system in which one values oneself more than one values the rest of the universe. Whatever is good oh, for oneself is good, and, and if things harm uh, things that are outside of oneself, well, no problem. It's somewhere else anyway.
1: Oh, absolutely. We're looking at a whole modern Western uh, political system that's set up around that very premise. It's m- about me and what's good for me, and if it's, you know, if it destroys the rest of the world, oh well, la-di-da, I won't be around to see it. Uh, it it's, it's amazing to me, Jeffrey, the, the Western uh, European philosophy that really doesn't look at generations down the road like so many of the native cultures, you know, they, they live for the, for to take take care for the next generation and for twelve generations to come. How is my life and my decisions and and lifestyle going to impact those who are to come and it's fascinating to me that we have come so, become so selfish if you, I I don't know a better word, and so short-sighted in our selfishness as long as as I'm okay for the next five minutes or five days or fifty years that's all that matters and I think we're reaping the consequences of that right now in our current political situation in the United States. And uh, and a lot of the situation that, you know, one of the things I wanted to talk about was we've got so much um, in the whole Me Too movement and the whole issue about gender and equality that we've been um, arguing about for a 100 years now in the United States. It's like, I, I think one of the premises of of all gender division is this, going back to this perception of self and other and how, from a sheer survival perspective, any sociologist or psychologist is going to tell you that the other, when they are different, appear very threatening to the personal self. And so the, the immediate reaction is whatever is alien, whether it's a different color skin or a different religious belief system or a different genitalia set up it's like get rid of it move on get get it out of here huh.
0: i'd like to talk to you about a concept that i think uh, is associated with otherness it's called the great chain of being uh by some people the idea that there's sort of a a spiritual hierarchy with the most enlightened beings the great saints and Mahatma, mahatmas and devas and deities at the very top, and then at the very bottom would be uh, the most evil people, or maybe even the less evolved people, insects. You know, if you want to insult somebody, call them a worm, for for example. Or so people would even go so far as to say, well, the animal kingdom is greatly evolved over the plant kingdom. The plant kingdom is evolved over the mineral kingdom. But if, if we accept the premise that all is one, then no part of it would necessarily be more evolved than any other part, and I think you get a lot of our viewers who are going to push back on that, and they'll say, you know, wait a second, <laughs> some things are obviously more evolved, better than others. If you have a world with no distinctions, what kind of a world is that?
1: Yeah, well, you know, here we go right straight back to perception again. It, you know, depending upon your level of consciousness and your perception, um I I would argue that the worm is a lot more evolved than a lot of the a lot of individuals on the global stage lately. <laughs> um and that would be insulting the worm, but um uh, yeah, hierarchy is such a, is an inevitable construct of the ego, and it's an inevitable construct of separation, and you know, and, and again, a matter of survival, oh God, if we get into Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we, we go from base level survival as individual, boundary separate humans, to wanting home, and then family, and then love, and esteem from others, these are belonging needs that, that Maslow would argue, is the foundation for ev- personal evolution. And then we move into self-esteem needs where the self becomes all more important. I-, I want to express myself. I want to be seen. I want to be acknowledged. I want to be heard. And that is what the, the level of enlightenment or the level of consciousness, if you will, that the whole Western world is really caught up in at this point. And it, 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 and so we, we've got to bridge beyond finally that hierarchical need based perception and become more transpersonal, if you will, more inclusive in our understanding that that we are all one. And you know, by God, that it's gotta start off as a sheer intellectual exercise because again, our senses don't tell our senses tell us you and I are one? No way, Jose.
0: <laughs> and I'm in Albuquerque, and you're in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. So so we start off with an intellectual understanding, and then with by grace and by maybe sheer determination, lots of meditation, a desire for, God, let me know the truth. Let me see what's real. You know, that's the only thing I know that can take us to that different perceptual space that is night and day it is it's is like being awake and like being asleep it, it couldn't be better um, described
0: it's interesting that you brought up uh, Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Uh most college students will study it in their introductory psychology courses and and it, Maslow originally postulated that first you've got to take care of your survival needs, food, shelter, clothing, then self-esteem needs and uh Esteem from your colleagues and social acceptance. And then once those needs are met, you can begin to think about self-actualization or what we might call enlightenment. But I understand that at the end of his life, Maslow reversed all of this. And he basically said the number one need is self-actualization. It has to come before any of the others.
1: That's interesting. I had I'd, I'd not heard that. I knew that at the very end of his life, that self-actualization, which was for decades the capstone of his philosophy of, I want to be free to be me. I want to be me, whatever that is. However that expresses, I want to be able to be that to the to the penultimate, and that self-actualization takes one away from any concern about others' opinions, uh, any sort of externalized judgment. It, it is a very liberated state, and rightfully so, he elevated it for a very long time. I know that it towards it, right at the end of his life that he admitted that there was yet a further stage and that that was beyond self-actualization, Then it was that place of, oh, wow, beyond the self. Um, that ultimate transpersonal state where we do, where the blinders do come off and we do understand that we are connected at a fundamental energetic consciousness level with all of life. And, wow, we're so stuck in hierarchy and better than and our needs and and this struggle to survive. And... and I don't know any other way for us to evolve as a species, Jeffrey, until we become a little bit more humble and realize we don't know it all, and to keep that question mark, keep that door open of, wow, well, you know, if I ask who am I and what is really real and what's happening here, if I humbly ask that question, I'm convinced, well, as it says somewhere in the Bible, you know, seek and ye shall find, ask and it shall be opened unto you. Um, I, I don't know a better doorway... An easier doorway to to hold open to I just want to know, and then give yourself some breathing space every day, um, whether you meditate or whether you take long walks or whatever. But to keep that doorway of the question mark open, so um, so something greater and different can come in and make itself known to you.
0: You know, one one of my mentors is a fellow named dean brown who who died over a decade ago, but he was a best friend and a mentor and, and a great scientist as well and I had a conversation with him on one occasion because I was convinced that, for example, animals are superior to plants because animals have mobility plants do not. And he he said to me, no, that's not necessarily true. It doesn't make animals superior. In fact, you could say, he said that the plants are superior because they get the animals to do their work for them.
1: Quite often they do. Absolutely. And it's so interesting that as human beings, we cannot help but anthropomorphize and project our own inevitable superiority <laughs> onto the rest of, of creation. And since I'm mobile, then, of course, uh, you know, a tree is less evolved than something that is mobile. Um, but then, of course, then there's people like Stephen Hawkins who weren't, you know, mobile at all, who um, <laughs> most brilliant mind on the planet. So, yeah, I, I we, we project all of these attributes of uh, intelligence out there based. <clears throat> Unfortunately, on what the mind tells us is intelligence.
0: In the human realm, one of the basic distinctions everyone makes is between male and female. And, uh, you, you have females complaining, well, it's the men who are running the world and we're not getting paid fairly. And I hear men say, wait a second, women control three fourths of all the money. What are they complaining about? Um. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard you you know i don't know who's in control here but i i do know that there are groups of people who feel you know that males are obviously superior to females and i've heard just the opposite uh in fact the great anthropologist Ash- ashley montague wrote a book on the natural superiority of women so uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh in 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 any case surely males and females tend to see each other as other there's something Different about the other sex and and that creates uh, many many issues very serious issues in our culture
1: absolutely well you're basically talking about the battle of the sexes that's been going on for thousands God knows how many millennia um, it, it it's a classic it's a classic case of Otherness, and I, and I think that it's it's the driving factor behind so much of what we're seeing as far as lack of equality of women in the West. I'll just stick to the United States for now. Um, it's it's like since the overturn of the goddess religions. Um, f- three, four thousand years ago on the rise of the Abrahamic patriarchal religions, which are very masculine, which are very intellectual, very rule-bound, very structured, um, very right and wrong. These are all masculine attributes. The, the, if we're looking at gender at a much more elevated level, it's not about genitalia and how we appear in these physical forms. Uh, gender is actually a it's, it's the life force as it is as it is come into creation in either positive or negative form we're talking about electromagnetic forces of creation itself which are very different at yin and yang um, positive and negative and so, male and female and we're decidedly different despite the current modern trend of that's not very politically correct we're all one where there's no gender we've got what 40 different gender genders by cis trans non whatever <laughs> 40 different genders now and i think it's a really beautiful a trend that is subconsciously acknowledging that yes we do transcend these mortal forms we do transcend the limitation of masculine and feminine we do transcend the the limitations of polarity electromagnetically and yet here we are and And there are profound differences between the forces of positive and negative, masculine and feminine, yin and yang. And unfortunately, we've come to a place in our current culture where we've come to this struggle of equality, unfortunately, with women and men thinking in terms of equality as well, we're equal, but only on the masculine ground. It's like in the nineteen I was basically raised to be a guy. Come on, Jeffrey. I was I was taught to think like a guy. I was raised in a masculine developed educational system, brought into a masculine created economic system and business system in the United States. I was I was taught masculine based philosophies, I was raised in a masculine based patriarchal, Abrahamic Masculine church. So I wanted to be equal, but what I wanted to be equal to was a man. I didn't want to be a woman. I didn't want to be whatever that that yin, that that yin, soft, vulnerable, receptive, passive. Oh my God, shoot me now! I didn't want to be passive. All of the the um, Eastern Taoist descriptions of what the feminine yin force was, it just made me it just made me want to spit tax. So it took me until I was like fifty years old to suddenly realize that oh my God, I'd been raised to be aggressive, into Intellectual, linear, structured, rule bound. I'd learned very well the masculine mode of being and expressing. Expressing the yang, I was very good at that. The yin? I didn't have a clue what the yin was. And, you know, and <laughs> there's three ways. If, we, if we're going to go back to the conversation to the other, which is what this is all about, and the other is all about maintaining survival of self, and let's say our tribe, and the other, whether they're, again, the, the skin color is different, their religion is different, they paddle a different shaped canoe, they're other, they're strange, therefore they're a threat, so I've got to get rid of them. That's the basic premise about otherness, is i got to get rid of it. So... um there's three ways that we can do that fundamentally we can either destroy the other we can do genocide, which, of course, if, if men had offed all women, we wouldn't be having this conversation now, uh, unless technologically they would advance very quickly. So that was that was off the plate. So there was only two ways to control the feminine force of creation. And because, again, the masculine dynamic is all about control and rectitude, righteousness, and structure. Let's keep it all together, people let's hold it together that's kind of the masculine um maxim if you will the feminine the wild feminine the women who run with the wolves the 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 bacantec rites the elusian rites the, the we're terrifying to the masculine it, it, the feminine is all about not being in control it's like wow it's the chaos of creation what can come from a chaos that isn't like craziness but a chaos that has such a A vast level of organization that there's no making sense of it with the linear. Um, left brain processes so what looks like chaos and mayhem of the feminine realm to the masculine is just a different kind of expression and a different kind of intelligence So, but it's other so we've got to get rid of it so if we're not going to kill the women off if we're not going to commit um, matricide and uh, sorocide and uh, genocide of the entire human species then we're left with two options marginalization or assimilation so for thousands of years this is this is kind of like what's made sense to me is ever since the rise of the patriarchal Abrahamic religions we've we have marginalized women. We have made them second class citizens. We have taken that hierarchical structure and put them down on the bottom and owned them chattel slaves, concubines, etc. So that spun along up until a hundred years ago, and now that doesn't work anymore. We will not be downtrodden. We will overcome. We will rise up. And we have done that. But interestingly enough, now the third way of getting rid of the other is in full bore play right now. And it's assimilation. And that's what that's what I faced and experienced. I had been assimilated into the patriarchal system, the patriarchal mindset, and I bought it hook, line, and sinker. So, I had the otherness in me had been successfully squashed. And so it's been the last 20 years of my life has been this journey about understanding what the the yin force of creation is all about and reframing that. And it, unfortunately, in our current political situation in the United States, we see so much of, you know, women, again, righteously and is wonderful Striving and forcing themselves into the masculine mold so that we can stand up and then be counted and be leaders and be president of the United States one day. And it's just unfortunate that we're doing it in a very highly masculine way because it's not accepted to shine any other light. It's it's, it's very strange.
0: The introduction to the New Thinking Aloud videos, there's a voice at the start, and it's a man named Jerry Johnson who was long deceased, but he was a good friend of mine. and In years past, he was a leader in what was known as the men's movement. And, uh, he pointed out, for example, that, uh, this distinction, this otherness that we have be- between males and-, and females has resulted in a world where men die on average, I think, about nine, ten years earlier than, than women do that what we call masculinity is very harmful to men. And he says it starts when you're like about a six year old child and, and you're hurt and you start to cry and somebody tells you big boys don't cry. Only girls cry. So men are taught never to express their vulnerability. Women are allowed to express their vulnerability. So men develop uh, an armor, a protection because they can't express uh, their vulnerability. So they have to arm armor themselves and and that armoring may be um you know a very serious problem for human civilization overall.
1: Oh god totally Jeffrey and 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 the problem is is that we have made coming from the ma- and again this is not dissing the masculine or men at all but coming from a strictly patriarchal masculine mindset of again structure and you know Again, the other, the other feminine, the other vulnerable is seen as hysterical. The other emotional is seen as out of control. The other is, you know, okay, it's okay for a woman to be like that, but that's really not the way we want to be because that's a lesser way of expressing that on the hierarchical scale, the feminine is definitely down there with the worm. Okay, and a man doesn't want to go there, and that's been the premise: is is that the, the feminine expression is fine as long as it stays on the feminine side of the fence, um, and it's judged very harshly to the degree now that, of course, women coming into a masculine job um, and coming into the world cannot express. Any of that more feminine side, that loving, compassionate, emotional side, lest they be seen as less than and then marginalized and dismissed. So poor men, they are so screwed because the, the last thing a man in this masculine hierarchical structure of me, man, good, feminine, not so good, but we need her, is, you know, this setup. The poor guys, you're right, they, they they're just locked into this box of what they're, you know, John Wayne six shooting, you know, straight talking, um, beer drinking, never cry, ridiculous image. And, and the truth of the matter is, if we look at the Taoist symbol of the yin yang symbol, there's a there's a point of black in the white element, and there's a point of white in the black element. The, the, we are not we are not black and white beings. We are whole you know the masculine the most masculine of men has the capacity and the feminine elements in him of expression and emotion and compassion and inclusivity and has a right guys have right brains just like women have left brains the, the point that we're trying to get to is to is to become whole brain beings where we can acknowledge recognize understand and admit and include these other aspects, you know, where the beautiful thing about the the women's uh, revolution and and the women's movement has been that we have learned how to be guys. We have learned stalwartness. We've learned left brain function. We've learned the power of logic. We've learned how to control our, our emotions. We've learned how to build organizations and structure on and on and on. We've learned to be aggressive, Put an AK 47 in my hands, you know, I can take out the next guy just as good as the guy sitting next to me. Women have really evolved because now we've got the masculine young side. To us, now we're just in danger of losing sight of what the yin actually is, and I think this is you know the Dalai Lama recent uh, about ten years ago talked about Western woman being the salvation of humanity. Well, that's because women can show the men finally that it's okay to be inclusive, that it's okay to have to open up to the the feminine side in their own being, but we can only do that. We can only we can only lead men to their wholeness by ourselves being whole as women. So we've got to regain, recapture, re recommit to this other part of ourselves so that we as women can be whole and turn around to our beautiful, beautiful brothers and go – Don't worry, dude, this is a good space. You know, you can open up, you can cry, please, you know, let me in, let yourself in, let the rest of yourself in so that you can put down the armor and you can rest finally in the wholeness and the completeness and the safety of who you really are.
0: I'm sure you appreciate that there's a backlash against this movement as as well. I occasionally hear from women who who bemoan the fact that men are becoming more feminized and and softer, and they feel you know we need the the warrior types.
1: Yeah, well, we do. We need to be it all, and and the the problem is ignorance, Jeffrey that's always the problem no matter what you're talking about ignorance is not bliss <laughs> 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 and and so we- Dynamically, in our in our culture, we are not having a whole conversation about gender dynamics. We are not bringing to the table, you know, there are these enormous swing movements, you know, the Me Too movements is screw the guys, you know, down with men, men are bad, horrible, blah, blah. And then we've got the, you know, oh, I bemoan that I have to wear the pants in the family and my husband is too soft, oh my God. And then we've got the no gender movement whatsoever where we want to make everybody just exactly the the same, and it's like so. We've we've got all of these factions and these opinions um, showing up on the world stage. Anything but a cohesive, coherent, <sighs> inclusive conversation that takes a breath and that stops trying to take a position of I'm right and this is how it is. This is like, well, let's step back, people, and go, "Ah, maybe there's more to being a man than we are admitting. Maybe there's more to being a woman than we're seeing and acknowledging. And maybe we can put down the the stupid battle of the sexes long enough to um, investigate ourselves and who we really are at our core and our largesse and our beauty and begin to explore our potential rather than always going to fisticuffs, you know?
0: I am under the impression that uh, a lot of our sense of otherness is caused by the limitations of our own bodies and nervous system. Our sensory organs only take in a very, very tiny amount of the reality that's out there. A tiny sliver of the electromagnetic spectrum gets seen as light. A a small uh, amount of uh, mechanical vibrations get heard as sound. Uh, we don't see or hear everything we certainly don't smell everything dogs can smell <laughs> a, a million times more than a human can i understand and and so we form pictures of what the outer world is like in our mind that are really uh, although we think of them as not even pictures we don't see that what we see is just a map of reality we think we see reality itself and 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 so inevitably whatever we picture the world to be is going to be uh, incomplete at best and more likely greatly distorted.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely, Jeffrey. And and that's, you know, that's the beauty of, of quantum physics and the consciousness studies and the, the, the horizons that we're seeing in, in biochemistry and medicine. We are coming into an energy healing quantum state of understanding in our science that acknowledges that, wow, this skin boundary is, is an illusion. Pure and simple. Um, and so science, it, God bless science, is taking us by the hand quite rapidly to move us into a state of greater reality, of seeing the whole picture and understanding, again, we start intellectually because we're battling 24-7 this inevitable construct of I'm separate and da-da-da and boundary that my senses give me. Um, But Science is taking us to where the mystics have been for the last 30,000 years. Unfortunately, it's not yet reached popular philosophy. It's not, you know, if, I think if the ma- average man and woman on the street understood a little bit about the fundamentals of quantum physics and what quantum physics is actually telling us about reality, it might make us take pause and go, huh? <laughs> and and throw and throw a question mark in in the in the in the business. Um, you know that's the thing about the ego. The ego does not like question marks. Um, actually, the the masculine side of the the intellect doesn't like question marks either. I, I like the answers. I like firm boundaries. I want to know that you know the the right beer that I drink is going to be in the refrigerator when I get home at five thirty, and that you know this show is going to be on, and that you know Tuesday night means roast chicken, and I don't have to. Think Think um, you know the ego is it, 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 it's supremely comfortable in the known and in that position in that picture of of what we have. What we have come to see as reality, no matter how painful the bloody picture is, that's the that's the thing. Is we it, we will accept war. We will accept the inevitability of the battle of the sexes. We will accept the inevitability of conflict and and otherness and having to be superior and to constantly strive and struggle. That's that's the ego. That's the ego identity. What we have been trained to believe about ourselves. It's most comfortable to continue on in that. In that portal of perception, if you will. So I, I think, the, unfortunately, the key is that things have things have got to get so uncomfortable. You know, pain is a great is a great teacher, and until we learn to um, grow and expand and evolve from a, a perspective uh, of curiosity and excitement and desire to know more and a willingness to uh, let these boundaries thin out a bit in our own mind. Then we're up against the wall. The only thing that's going to change us is pain and suffering to make us go, wow, God, again? We've gone here again? <laughs> Maybe there's a different way? <laughs>
0: You know, if you look at uh, Western history we've been through in the last hundred years, a lot of suffering. There have been two world wars. There's been uh, enormous famines and dislocations. Uh, I have no reason to think that uh, the next hundred years aren't going to have major problems. We're already looking at the possibility of climate change and uh, all all – we're living through one of the great mass extinctions in the history of the planet right now, mostly caused by human activity. So, there's every reason to think that the, this momentum that the human civilization is is on, and I think Eastern and Western basically, uh, is, is going to continue for a long time. So, I, I foresee that the, these changes that we're talking about, Kate, are so deep, so profound that they're, they're likely to take hundreds, if not thousands, of years?
1: Well, number one, I will say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but but, <laughs> but I suspect um, because Time is uh, seemingly moving exponentially, and growth is happening. I mean, th- what's happened to you and me in the last 50 years would have been unimaginable uh, 50 years before that to, to that population, yeah. and it's only, it's only snowballing. So I have a feeling that it's not going to take thousands of years. I have a feeling we're going to really hit the fan in the next 100 years and going to have to start facing up to what we've created and – and the mindset that has created the problems that we're going to be facing, and that you know, and and then and then we'll see what happens from there. And I don't think it's going to be pretty. Uh, but I also believe f- fully that those who have moved into a more gracious, expansive, inclusive, softer, more loving state of mind. That that's what the world needs is those people who have come to a greater common sense, if you will, uh, and will be able to stand f- in a larger truth and shine that light uh, during times of trouble, which which are inevitable. from, you know, kids make a mess. Kids make a mess, and we have been kids, you know, with with nuclear bombs and 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 tanks, and social media. So I, I I think it's going to be tough, but I think that we've got so many people now are waking up, Jeffrey. I mean, a show like this wouldn't have been in existence, wouldn't even have been conceived of fifty years ago. And the topics that you talk about, it's 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 phenomenal. So. I think there's great hope.
0: <laughs> Kate Montana, I appreciate your optimism, uh, especially in the face of my pessimism. <laughs> balance on all things, Jeffrey. <laughs> yeah. and, and balance does seem to be an, an important Thing you know, as a parapsychologist, I'm kind of inclined to think that when people can balance the masculine and feminine within themselves, uh, the conscious and the unconscious within themselves, that's that's when awakening occurs. That's when psychic development occurs.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And and what we're seeing in the whole Trump era now, and and in the in vast divisiveness in our nation, uh, that i mean it, it the the upside is is we are being forced to look at our shadow side I, 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 everything that was shoved aside in the in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s you know the leave it to beaver generation where everything is just nice yeah. everything is fine not nothing everybody nothing's fine and we realize that now we're being having it shoved in our faces and it is horribly painful unpleasant um and absolutely necessary and i think one of the most amazing gifts that that is that is rolling through this this planet at this point in time is we are being forced to look at our shadow material, and to embrace it and see it as part of us and um, become more inclusive and and move on from that rather than continuing to stuff it away, stuff it away, stuff it away.
0: Wow, you're reminding me of uh, a line from a poem by Christopher Fry. Yeah called the sleep of prisoners where he says thank god our time is now when evil confronts us on every side exactly Mm -hmm.
1: exactly because these are the times that make us stand up for what we know inside of ourselves and hopefully fingers crossed humble us enough so that we are flexible in what we know and flexible enough to go i i don't know it all but but let me let me embrace this possibility i've never really looked at this i never looked at my own you know uh, judgment of men before i never looked at my own judgment of women before my it, it, it's it's like wow so hopefully uh, humbleness humble a certain level of humbleness will come with this whole process because that's what it takes
0: Well, Kate Montana, what a delightful conversation. I'm so glad we've reconnected. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank
1: you, Jeffrey. It's been a great pleasure, as always.